Three weeks ago, um, we started, I brought a word called Five Biblical Points for Gospel Life and Living. And it is online if you want to watch it. It's, um, it's to the Christian really how uh, we should be living. Now, we can't go through it all today, but that was point one. And then because of holidays and different themes around the Easter period, we, we just stayed around that sort of theme. So this is actually part two, but if you've missed part one, it won't reflect on part two. So this is a completely different message. We may just do one point. We'll see how the Lord leads. But I want you to really understand, if we can get the grips, not only who the Lord is, and we'll always be plumbing, uh, trying to fathom the depths of that, but if we can get to grips who we are in Christ, you'll find that part one, we looked at... Uh, Verse 5 of Philippians, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. We looked at point one was fellowship in the gospel, fellowship and good news. But it wasn't just an airy, fairy good news. It was about a risen Christ. It was about the power of the blood. It was how to come around the Lord's table, fellowshipping together in the presence of the Lord. So that's online, and I'm sorry I can't really go into that. We spoke about the righteousness of a man. The righteousness of a woman being that of Christ alone. And that righteousness really is a condition which is acceptable to God. And how we come and how we find ourselves in Christ is that we are righteous in him with his righteousness on us, not of our own. And we are acceptable to God. We looked at unrighteousness, wrong living. And we looked at how um, we are not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for righteousness and unrighteousness do not have fellowship one with another. The word unrighteousness was onoma, where we get antinomianism from, and it's really lawlessness. And we looked at lawlessness and those who are still under the curse of the law, the breaking of the commandments of God. Okay, so that's all in part one. If you'll let your eye run down for me this morning then, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Here we find Paul is now speaking, first was fellowship in the gospel. Verse 12, it's furtherance of the gospel. The furtherance of the gospel. You see, the Philippian church had heard, as well as others, but in this, the background is that the Philippian church had heard that Paul had been arrested, this great apostle of the risen Lord. He's not one of the original 12, but he's an apostle of the risen Lord. And here this apostle has been arrested. He's put in prison. And their problem is now, he is the strength, the apostolic strength to all of those who were, if you want, Gentile around them. And what they're saying is, what is going to happen to the gospel? What is going to happen to the furtherance of the word of God? Because Paul, the great apostle, one 
who is filled with the Spirit and who's teaching us all this wonderful revelation of Christ, the risen Lord and the wonderful things around the table to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He, he encourages those in the book of Galatians of how they've been bewitched and how uh, they ran well and who hindered them. And, and he goes through all of these things. Now the Philippians are saying, what's going to happen to the furtherance of the gospel? They thought that all things that they had heard about Paul had happened and it would hinder the work of God. It would hinder the gospel. It would curtail, if you want, the missionary endeavor of the Christian life. It would curtail them in their work for Christ. And Paul was imprisoned. So did this mean that God's word was bound? That God's word would be quenched and his work would be quelled? That's the question the Philippians were wanting to know because Paul was in bonds or if you want, house arrest, prison. In verse 12, he says, the things which happened unto me. Notice, he's now referring to his own situation to them. The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. Paul then turns and tells them the opposite. Paul is telling them the opposite in the letter. For example, the words which happened uh, happen comes from the word happen, it means by chance. And in the usual English rendering, it seems to be, well, this is just by chance, this happened to me. That's not the way Paul is rendering this. And that's not the way the original Greek flow of it is. It's not the original text meaning of it. The term here, which is, what's happened unto me, have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, means the things dominating me at this present time, Paul is saying. Now, when we go a little deeper into the Greek meaning and text of this, it gives the idea that nothing is happening to me at this present time unless my Father God allows it. So it's dominating me. It's either directly from God or else it's in the permissive will of God. In other words, God, it's still in his will. It's never out of his control, but God's allowing people, things, and situations to dominate me at this point. Now, every Christian life living for Christ finds these things happen. Things dominate our lives. It, it presses us down. It consumes our lives. And sometimes we think, well, that's it. There's no furtherance of the gospel, or there's, there's no way I can minister in this condition or state, or, or even our mindset can be, dominated by thoughts, by fears, by worries, by anxieties, by troubled hearts. And Paul is saying, even though I'm in bonds, even though I'm in prison or house arrest, he says, this is for the furtherance of the gospel. It didn't happen just by chance. It isn't just by accident. He says, I believe God is sovereign, and I believe he is over all things and still in complete control. That's what God is saying. And when you're in that position, brother, when you're in that position, sister, understand that no matter what condition you're in, God is always bigger. He's always sovereign. He's always in control. You're never out of his control. Yes, in the permissive will. I don't even really like the term of it, but that's what theologians call it. I'm just taking it from them. The permissive will of God is that he may allow someone, something, somewhere, at some time, for some period, 
to happen to you. And it's how you deal with it, knowing your God. I want to show you a few things. I was just reading over this this morning, and I thought, you know, something came to my mind, and I jotted down a few little verses I wanted us to look at this morning. For example, in Philippians chapter 1, go down to verse 20. In fact, let's read 19 and 20. He says, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, notice, according to my earnest expectation and hope, my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Paul now is saying this, I am not surrendering to that which is dominating me at this time, for the Spirit of Christ or the Holy Spirit is within me. He is with me. And he's saying that at this point, I know when I trust in my sovereign Lord, I will not be ashamed. The word there, to be ashamed, gives the idea of is he'll not uh, be put to uh, damnation. He knows that it won't be futile. He knows that it will not be void for that which he's going through. Now, sometimes you and I think that whenever we're going through something or something has happened or someone has been, you know, you get people and they just want to barrage you. They just want to come and think the worst of you. And you let that happen. Listen, if you let that happen to everybody that comes and says something against you, you're never going to get on in life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. And in all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Don't let man's voice direct your path. Let the word of God and the spirit direct your path and he will bring you. He'll bring you to somewhere you've never been before. He'll show you things you've never seen before. He'll bring you out of that. Now notice this. Paul is saying here in verse 20, according to my earnest expectation. The word according. Write this little word down in the English. It's kata. K-A-T-A. Kata. And it means this. The dominance. It gives the idea of something pressing down. Dominance, pressing down. Kata. So he's now, in verse 12, he's telling us, look, there's a dominating thing that's in my life at the minute. That is the Romans who have me imprisoned. That is the Jews who seek my life. Now he's saying this, He's saying, but there's a dominating factor within me who is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And he is dominating me, dominating an earnest expectation that I will not be ashamed that he won't let me down. That Christ won't let me down. Yet we read about Paul and Paul goes and has his head chopped off. That is after his third imprisonment. Or pardon me, his third tour, his third travels. He has his, her, his head cut off here. And now in imprisonment, he says at the end of this verse, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Note he's saying, no matter what happens, I'm Christ's. When the the death dew lies cold on your brow. 
The hymn writer says, If ever I have loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. And it's then you must have the dominance of the Spirit and the Word of God loving Jesus in your life because it's then you're going to be looking for the one who saved you. That dominance also brings you through trouble and trial, situation and strife. It dominates you from the inside to the out. Let me show you something. The word according, just bear with me. Chapter 4 and verse 19, Philippians 4 and verse 19. Notice the word here, and it's the same word with the same rendering. Notice what Paul says, but my God shall supply all your need. Now notice, not your greed. Not your greed. Lord, if you're going to supply me a jet or a plane, listen, wise up. Come on, brothers and sisters. My God shall supply your need. All your need. Notice, according, that's the word. According to what? To according to his riches in glory. How are you going to receive it? By Christ Jesus. The dominance of his riches. Now I'm not talking about silver and gold. The heavenly riches are far better and bigger than these earthly riches. The heavenly riches are the, the riches of Christ in the spirit and in the heart. The riches of the blood that he shed for us. The riches of his spirit living within us. And those riches dominate us. Christian, here's a little question for you to answer in your own life, in your own heart. Does Christ dominate your life? Does Christ dominate, dominate your life? What about the worries you've came to church with this morning? Is that dominating you? Is that what's dominating your heart this morning? What about the family problems you've left behind? Is that what's dominating your heart? Maybe you have bills coming in, you don't know how you're going to pay them. Is that dominating your heart? Maybe you have a sickness in your body and all you can hear is that you're not going to recover. Is that what dominates your heart? Listen, you have a greater domination for your heart. The Spirit of God bringing the Word of God to you this morning and telling you that He won't let you down and He won't make you ashamed. Let Christ dominate your life, every area of your life and your heart this morning. Love Him with all that you are. Paul is telling us here that the only thing that dominates Him, even in a prison, is Christ Himself. He says, He will dominate my life. Go with me to Colossians chapter 1. Verse 11, Paul is speaking of the Christian being strengthened with all might. What's the word? According to his glorious power. Not your strength. I was speaking to someone on the phone this morning through a terrible time, terrible illness, through surgery. You're more or less chained to the house. They're ill. I was on the phone for a while with them this morning before I came out. And it's dominating them. And I says, well, how are you this morning? I just give them a ring. And I says, 
this thing's overtaking me at the minute. I'm struggling in my faith. And I was on my knees praying. I says, Lord, Lord, send me some encouragement. Do something, he says. Then my phone rings and you're on the other end. I says, well, dear, help you if it was me. <coughs> Dominating him. He says, I'm weak. I can hardly stand at times. I'm suffering. And this was all the language that was coming. Well, I says, your strength, you need to rely on God. He says, spiritually of no strength. I says, rely on God. Throw your all in him. Look, go and lie down and rest yourself. He says, I says, you can pray lying on your bed with your head in your pillow, even in your weakness. You can talk to the Lord in your mind if you can't get the words out, but rest in what he has done. Rest in his strength. It's his strength. Do you ever lie sometimes you, in bed and you feel you can't even raise your head? You feel so low or down? Or you feel maybe sometimes you just can't get out of bed and you want to pull the duvet over? Or sometimes you go to bed at night and you just can't sleep? Can't sleep? No, talk to the shepherd. And when you can't rest in him, Lord, it's your glorious power that gives me strength. It's not in myself. It's not in me. Notice here what he says In verse 11, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. See, once we realize that Christ has paid it all, look, we sang, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. Sometimes we don't get the grips with wonderful hymns like that. Things that we sing, they're scripturally based. That all of our sin and everything that we need is in him. Is in Christ alone. Now notice this. Go with me to verse 29 of the same chapter. Paul says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working. According to his working. Now, Paul in prison is saying, he's working in me. It's in his strength I'm able to cope. I'm under armed guard. I'm in house or prison arrest. You think the gospel has been hindered or it's going to be quenched and the word's going to be quelled. The work won't go on. There'll be no more missionary endeavor. No one will hear about the glorious gospel of saving faith in Christ. And he says, but God is working in me here for a reason. Brothers and sisters, whatever you find yourself in this very moment, don't let that outward exterior and the things we get concerned about, don't let it come that it dominates us where we feel that we're hindered, but rather look at what God is doing at that moment and how God is working it out for the good. Don't look for the negative aspect of things if you're a born-again believer, but rather look for the positive and what Christ is doing. Whereunto I also labor, striving, notice, according to his working, which worketh what? In me mightily. But Paul, surely you're in prison, and if you were any way God's, would he not release you? Well, we'll look at that in a moment. Let your eye uh, go to the book of, turn over to the book of Ephesians just for me. With a few here, we'll try and, I think I'm only going to get this one point done. We'll have to wrap her up by the way it's going. You know how it goes. Sometimes we think we're going to do
do so much and we don't. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, please. <clears throat> Notice the security that the believer has in Christ here. Notice the, the security. First, four, I would advise you to read chapter 1, Ephesians 1 when you go home. Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is a, a marvelous book. Verse 4, it says that we have, in verse 3, we have spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. God has chosen you in Christ before the foundation of the world. Rachel Pepper got saved during the week. Little did she know the day and the hour when she bent the knee. She bowed her head and came to saving faith. It was already done and dusted away in eternity. Notice this, according with the dominance of his choice, He's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in anger? No. In. In love. This morning, believer, this morning there's no wrath looking your way. It was all poured out on Christ and Calvary. You have accepted what was done on the cross. You are the righteousness of God in him. And the Father hath loved you from before the foundation of the world. And you this morning are still before him in love. He loves you. He loves you. Let's just read on for a moment. Verse 5. Having predestinated us. Oh dear. It's a big word. Pre before our destiny was made. Us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Notice, according to the good pleasure of his will. Do you know why you're saved? Because you were so wonderful? No, you were a sinner. I was a sinner. You're saved because it was his own pleasure. <laughs> He'd done it for his own pleasure. Do you think, you know, we talk about there's... There, there's uh, there's uh, rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repenteth. And I love what Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, said about it. We tend to think it's the angels that are rejoicing, and maybe that's so. But there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God in heaven over one sinner rejoiceth. rejoiceth. He says, that's not really the angels rejoicing. It's the presence among the angels. It's the Father rejoicing. The Father rejoices when you come to Christ. The Father rejoices when the backslider comes home. The Father rejoices. You know why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And notice this. It's his good pleasure. The dominance of God's good pleasure. Let your eye then run down the verse. Let's just read on to 7. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now listen. If the beloved, people think the beloved is the church, it's not the church. Dear, help us. If you're waiting to be accepted by everybody in church, dear, help the preacher. It's not the church. This is Christ. The beloved is Christ. You're accepted in Christ. Now, I notice this verse 7. In whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according with the dominance of the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, 
having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Can you see everything to do with your salvation? It's nothing to do with you. Absolutely nothing to do with you. It's all to do with his good pleasure. His good pleasure. Once one person says, I do, I choose, I this or I that, you've taken out of the hand of God that which he declares as his. It's Christ's doing. It's God's good pleasure. And then, let's do verse 11. In whom? Also in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who work all things after the counsel of his own will. Notice that the, the dominance of him, his purpose, is working in you this morning. And then if you go to verse 19, read the chapter when you go home. What is exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? Paul is saying this. Everything, everyone is still under the sovereign power of God. God is sovereign. It means he's, he's over everything. Notice, if you turn with me to Philippians again, so Paul says, the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the, unto the furtherance of gospel. He's saying the things dominating me at this present time have happened because God's allowed them or else God sent it. So I'll look for what God is doing for the furtherance of the gospel. So that's where you and I must be. You're under the domination. If the Spirit of God is in you, you're under the domination of the Spirit. Now are those who are dominated by the things of the Word. Read Ephesians 2 when you go home. Uh, uh, and it's those who are uh, who are according to the, the works of the flesh and the course of this world. That's the dominance of the flesh in the world. And there are those who are, who are dominated by the Spirit. Read Ephesians 2 when you go home. But notice this. And take note. In Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, notice this. Paul writes from his prison, from his house arrest, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. I have learned. Now, if the apostle needed to learn, what does that say about you and I? God allows things God may send things that we will learn about him. That you'll learn more about him. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned. The idea here <clears throat> in the original text is Paul saying, I have entered or I have learned to enter into a new condition. That's what it means. Paul is sitting, writing this, and he's saying, listen, you're worried about me and the furtherance of the gospel and the work of the Lord, and this is the devil now, and he's holding us back. He says, no, God is working in me in this place, and I've learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now, let me just 
break this down before we close this message up this morning. He says, I have entered into a new condition, for I have learned that whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. Now, you and I think, well, that's it. We're in prison today, and we're, we may as well just sit down here. I'm not going to church tonight because this is the sort of state my life's in, then I'm going to sit here. I'm feeling no, and I'm feeling down. That's the way I'm going to be. I'm just going to sit here, Lord, I'm going to wait. They that wait upon the Lord to renew your strength. That's not what that verse means either. It means pursuing to God and wait until he changes it. Now, there we have to be content does not mean we sit and say, that's it, we're defeated. We'll just have to take it as it is. The idea is, he says, there we have to be content means I have learned that whatsoever state I am in, to be the master of the situation. To be the master of that situation. The Romans and the things that are happening are dominating me. I can't get out of here. But this is what he's saying. Within, within, he says, it will not dominate my heart for Christ and the gospel. How you deal with things within will determine how you react to things without. You're not going to change everybody in the world to like you, nor to love you. In fact, it'd be easier to make them hate you. But I'll tell you one thing. When you have Christ within, and he dominates your heart and spirit, then those things you can deal with all around. You'll be able to handle the challenge differently. Instead of it dominating you, not only in the outside, but in the inside, you can say, I am taking the charge of this because Christ is within me. His word is within me. I'm living in the victory and the power of God That's how you'll get through. That's how you'll further the gospel. Now, notice this. So we can say, nothing happens to the saint by chance. In Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 40, read it when you go home. We'll not read it now. Time is gone almost. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. Now, they could have sat and said, Silas, that's the end of us. If we keep our mouth shut, we'll make it out in a a shorter sentence. But at midnight, they decided to start singing and praising God in the middle of the jail, dominated by the soldiers. Well, you know what? You can dominate me and put me in lock and chain. You can put me behind bars. You can put the the guards on the the door. But you're not going to stop me praising Jesus. You're not going to stop me worshipping. And do you know what happened? They sang praises unto God. And the story in the, the, the Holy Writ tells us that there was an earthquake. Released them from the prison. You know something? It shows you that God can do whatever it takes to release you from whatever you're in. Now, you might say, many might say, why is Paul in prison now? And he just sings, and God doesn't send an earthquake this time. He's done it before, didn't he? Why not do it now? Okay, well, first of all, you have to understand that it's a different time. 
It's a different trial and it's for a different purpose. The thing that you may be going through now, you've seen God work before and he can work in that again. Maybe the same way, but this is a different time. This is a different trial. It's for a different purpose. It's to bring you somewhere further into God. It's to teach you more, to learn you more. I have learned that whatsoever state I am in, therefore to be content or to be the master of the situation, God is saying, Paul, this time, I release you from prison here, but this time I'm bringing you through for another reason. Where are your eyes, Paul, and what are you looking at? Are you looking at the prison and the Romans and the guards and all the things that are outside there and all the Pharisees that want you dead? Are you looking at trials coming, even your head going to go on a block? Or are you going to keep your eyes on me? And I replaced Paul with what I had said there so I don't have to re- repeat it. And put your own name there. Do you still love me, Lord? He says, I have loved you from before the foundation of the world. You are mine, he says. So notice, it's a different time. Every trial is different. Every problem has a different answer. A different time, it's a different trial, it's a different purpose, and God had Paul set aside Because in this prison house, he wrote Philippians, and he wrote Ephesians and Colossians and so on. Lord, I can't get out there and preach. I'm going to write it here to tell them out there, go do. Your prison, the trial you're in, say, Lord, I can't do much at the minute. What is it you want me to do right here and now? He might say, I want you to get on your knees every morning and pray for someone or something. Or I want you to write a letter of encouragement. I want you to make a phone call. You know, I just want you to be faithful to the house of the Lord if you can. I want you to do this. And God will direct you and you will see the furtherance of the gospel in your life individually and us as an assembly. See souls saved and see people restored back to God. And secondly, God would use this time to reach higher authorities that Paul wouldn't reach any other time. In verse 13, Colossians 1 and 13. Excuse me. Let's read 12 and 13. But I would that you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. And in all other places. You know what they're, they're starting to do? They're starting to talk. And the best form of advertising is people talking. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Nevertheless, it gets people thinking. Paul says they're going, that apostle is in that prison. That apostle, they've eventually got him. I wonder they're going to... I wonder if they're going to put him in front of the jury. I wonder if they're going to kill him. They start talking, and in the meantime, Paul's writing the gospel, and the, not only the soldiers hear him praying, not only the soldiers hear him speaking, but he's saying in the palace, right to the very highest excellence, there he hears that they've heard the word. So God can use you where you are to reach where you would never be before for those who could never, you could never reach before. In Romans 8 and verse 28, we know that all things work together for good 
to them who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So, fellowship in the gospel, that is furtherance in the gospel. And here's your last verse, verse 16 of Philippians 1. Pardon me, verse 6 of Philippians 1, pardon me. Being confident of this very thing. Notice, being confident of this. If you've heard anything this morning, hear what the Word of God says. Be confident in this very thing now. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Be confident that God isn't finished with you yet. Be confident that God is the God of the second chance and the third chance and the million chance. Be confident that He isn't finished working with you and in you yet. You have to take the confidence of this. And even in your failures and your faults and your fallings and your misunderstandings and all the things that are hindering you, bind you and hold you and the prison that you find yourself in at times and the sicknesses that come upon you and your weakness and your weariness when you can't seem to get no release, be confident in Him that He's still working in you. And He will perfect it because He's performing it right until the day Christ returns. If you've heard anything this morning, I trust you'll hear that. I trust you'll know that. And it may be difficult, and it may be hard at times, but know this. It is all His doing. And He just wants you to yield your spirit, yourself to Him, and He will surely bring His will to pass in your life. Furtherance in the gospel this morning, maybe in God's will, next week we'll look at part two. Uh, part three, pardon me. Part three. And I'll tell you what it is. I nearly forgot what it is, but you can read that chapter when you go home. Uh, it's the defense of the gospel. Defense. Knowing your apologetics, in other words. We'll look at it. That you should study. We'll look at that next week. Because apologetics is to defend the good news, to defend the gospel of Christ. Knowing the scripture that when people say, well, that's not scripture, say, well, let me show you the word. It's what the word says. So when someone says, this is this or this is that, say, well, come and let's open the word. So you study to know the word. Study to show yourself approved unto, unto the pastor. Unto, unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. God bless his word to us this morning. Time is gone.